Movie Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fucking Movie Podcast. And with me as always is my co-host Jared Peterson. Today we have a special guest, uh, D.B. Frick. Hey everybody, I am special today. Yep. So, D.B., why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody and tell everybody what D.B. is all about. Oh, wow. I didn't know. Uh, wow. Um, oh, you didn't know so we were get there. Go there, huh? We, right. No, I mean, if we just want to scratch the surface, and that's where we'll start. I was born on Long Island, the uh, son of a uh, postal worker and an artist and uh they uh, thrived in a hamlet called South Hempstead, near where both two of the biggest stars of all time have come from, Howard Stern and Eddie Murphy. Both came from about a mile away from where I live, um, which decreases the chances of me ever being very successful by a lot, you know, just proportionally. And I think statistically speaking, I think it, it decreases chance. I might be wrong about that. But um, I am an actor, a writer, a comedian. I've written for things like the National Lampoon. I was an intern a long time ago for Conan, wrote a couple of jokes. Um, I uh, worked at UCLA with Brian for many years, nine years. Uh, I worked there. Well, you worked um, there for nine years. I worked there for one. <laughs> Brian worked there for one, but it was a great year. It was the most important year um, of that year. Um, this is the most important year that year. Tonight's a really nice night for an evening, too, don't you think? Yeah, it's a really nice night for a night. It's yeah, 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 it is. Um, and what else do I do? I, I work on pilots. I've uh, written. I've produced. Uh, I have a talk show called Welcome Back to America that you've been on a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've had celebrities like Jackie Martling, John Femia, and guys from Howard Stern on um it uh, has been fun to do that i used to do it weekly now i do it less because it's really hard work to produce a show all by yourself okay okay yeah i can um, talk about i can go on i can talk about myself for the whole hour or <laughs> however long if you want i probably could tell uh, stories why, why don't you why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, <laughs> why don't you uh talk talk about the time that we were roommates how how that situation was Oh, God, that was one of the strangest situations, living situations in my life. I enjoyed it. So I don't want to, I don't want anyone to think that I didn't. But um, there were about 35 people that lived in this apartment with us. 35. It was six, it was six people in a one bedroom apartment. Three, three in the bedroom, three in the living room. Uh, yes. And there was a probably. There were two different places. It was two different apartments because it was two different times. It was uh, before and after UCLA on different occasions. Mm -hmm. um, and we uh, lived with BJ. You and BJ, you lived on a couch. And yeah, only couch. Ate. like if I didn't live there during this time period, you wouldn't have eaten for two years. That's actually true. Like, <laughs> like, like Dan, he, uh, he is the master at finding free food. Oh, free everything. Not free, just free everything. Food. Yeah, free. We we found a, uh, they had been living there for a couple of years by the time they found this, but in, uh, by uh, Ikea on Mondays would have a free breakfast. Yes. All you can eat. You can have as many plates as you want. So I would go there early in the morning and have four <laughs> plates. I would have four <laughs> plates of food and I'd be like, I'm not going to eat all day. 
This and is I, I remember I remember you talking about, hey, I'm going to the hotel to get lunch. You want to come? And I'm like, are you checked in there? And you're like, no, I, I'm just going by. No. There. What? no, I'm just going to the food. They have a buffet. They have a buffet there um, almost all the time. They, they, the, had, uh, they had wine and beer there, too. They had wine and beer there. Yeah, no. So we could I, just, like, go there and drink. And <laughs> I was recently heading to a job in Manhattan where I had to walk from the train station to the job about 30 blocks. And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot to eat. And I saw a Radisson hotel to my left. And I was like, they probably have a free breakfast. I could go in there. But I had to wait in the lobby for someone to press floor five and swipe their card yeah. at the hotel. And I went in the elevator with them and went up to the, yeah, they did that. I've snuck into parties. I've snuck into concerts. I must, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know what it is. Uh, I, I, I like it. <laughs> I, I, I snuck into a Robert Plant, um, uh, Robert Plant, Jimmy Page concert at Wembley Stadium when I lived in London. And I snuck in and watched them and like watched them. I didn't meet them or anything. I didn't want to like, I, maybe I could have, but I didn't want to push it. But that was one of the coolest concerts ever. Yeah. Nice, nice. Anyway, that's, oh. what have I snuck into recently, you ask? Yes, I um, that. <laughs> you know, I, I guess not, I used to, before the pandemic, it was easy to sneak into just random parties, like uh, weddings, you dressed up, the right way no one's going to say no to you no matter what yeah. no it's pretty easy but uh yeah i've gotten drunk free a lot free meals i, I need your skill set i need your skill set tuxedo you need a tuxedo i need what well, i used to have a tuxedo i don't know what happened to it um mine was ruined i was raised by a family of criminals so you have to understand that because of that and not like very good criminals, but criminals like my father. Here's another anecdote. My father drove a taxi in the mid-70s before I was born. So at one point, he was with my mom at the time. So he decided to steal the taxi and hide it from the taxi place so that when he was off, he could drive the taxi and make money. Until one day, he couldn't drive through the 59th Street Bridge. He had to take the tunnel into Manhattan. And because of that, someone recognized him when he had to stop at the toll booth. So he had to get out of the taxi and run. And he got away with that. Oh, wow. Like that's something he got away with for like two years. Two oh. years he did that. And if it would have been for a fake beard, he may have actually been able to pull it off longer. <laughs> that would have been great. I would have loved it if he had a fake beard. That would have made the story so good. Um. Dan, so that thing that I've started doing on this uh, podcast is we ask everybody that comes on if they got a true Hollywood story. And I think I'm going to go ahead and see if we can get yours, you know, before we get into what we're here to talk about, which is Mel Brooks movies. Um, I know you've told me specifically a story about Martin Scorsese. I was wondering if you would tell that one. Sure. That's a favorite. Um I have to preface this story with the night before I got the call to do Shine a Light, which was his uh, documentary about the Rolling Stones. And I got a call to do uh, go to the Beacon Theater um, uh, one day and shoot with a bunch of extras. And they were shooting a scene where the Rolling Stones were coming off stage and a camera, the camera point of view, the Stones were not there. 
the camera point of view came around a corner backstage and you see Martin Scorsese back there. Mm -hmm. um, the day before this, I had been eating a lot of dried fruit at a wedding I was working. So I had really bad gas the next day. But it, most of the day it was okay because we were just waiting around for Martin to come and for the thing to be shot. So I was able to like go to the bathroom when I needed to and it wasn't such a big deal until we got into the backstage area and we were shooting for like two hours. And there's like a fog machine going because, uh, because it's a concert going on stage and it's supposed to be exciting and Mick Jagger leaving and going into his limo. So I'm the guy who uh, reveals Martin Scorsese. I have a, uh, like a guitar in my hand and I'm like amazed that it's Mick Jagger and I'm getting out of the way and you see behind me, you see Martin Scorsese. So we shot that probably about 10 times. And at one point, fog's going everywhere. I couldn't hold it in anymore. And there's about 30 people standing in the back uh, stage area, these extras. So I, I let it go. And like everyone can smell it and it's like terrible. And Martin, Martin Scorsese can smell it too. And he was like, oh my God, that fog machine smells terrible. <laughs> and the fog machine guy is like, it's not the fucking fog machine. <laughs> and I never, uh, I didn't admit it. I mean, I didn't admit it in the moment. I've, I've told this story before, but um, Martin Scorsese also said, great job kid at one point. I don't think he meant the gas, but he may have. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that that all really happened. That's one of the that's one of the cooler moments in extra work. Most extra work was sucked. I'm, I don't know if you. I know that Brian's done a lot of extra work. I don't know if you have, Jared. But... I've done a like a commercial and a half. So, oh, that's cool. Uh, what was the commercial? It was, uh, the one that actually aired was for uh, Wake Med, the hospital in Raleigh, like a big, not university hospital, but um, it was a really condescending spot uh, where it tried to make it look like the other, like hospitals. Like we got UNC Chapel Hill, we got Duke, and they tried to make it like, hey, you don't want to go to these hospitals, they're staffed by interns. So I got cast as essentially a pothead. Um, like, I mean, like literally I showed up for the audition. I was wearing a Grateful Dead shirt and it's like long hair. And it's like, you're the guy. It's like, okay. That's uh, great. You just got it. You didn't even have to do anything. You have to work for it. You yeah, know, not at all. I just stood there and, uh, just showed up, showed up and looked like I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> which can be easy sometimes, but other times can be very difficult because I know that I've had no idea what was going on often and you did some extra work recently brian right did you um, do something you did something with people from long island actually oh yeah but that, that was actually a role yeah so i uh i'm casting this uh movie called mob humor where actually i think it's i think they've decided it's going to be a series um but okay. anyway i play one of like the the plot's basically like italian mob guys that go to the south and I play one of the Southerners, obviously. Oh, really? Because, I mean, I'm not Italian or at all. What are you? I am what you call uh, off-white. White? Very white. Caucasian. But you're, from, but you're from somewhere. You have you have ancestry. You have cultural... Well, see, like, uh, my ancestors all, like, I guess, to fuck around, so I don't know where they're all from. I know there's some, like, Irish, there's some, you know, other stuff, but I'm I'm just here. 
I'm just here. You just exist. You take Fair up place, Brian. You know, it, and it, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's not important. It doesn't matter what we are. Yeah. Or who we are or where we're from. All that matters is who we uh, screw over. Sure. It does. And that because you don't want to screw over the wrong people. Yeah. <laughs> and like if you're screwing, try not to screw over too many people. Hey, they're low level. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you got to try not to screw over too many people. I haven't screwed over people, but I have told a lot of people to go fuck themselves. But well, I haven't. Okay. Yeah, it's, I think it's different. It just comes from a place. It's of, kind of like a greeting nowadays. It's like, hey, go fuck yourself. Yeah, it replaced the. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of. It's the new hand. Uh, it is. Yeah. It's a, um, yeah. High five. Oh, uh, last uh, episode we had uh, Chris Vanderhorst on. Oh, and, nice. Uh, and we briefly discussed uh, uh, working on Fiends, where you played. Oh, which I thought about recently because they have a game out called Fiends. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Well, what is the game? Yeah, it, I'm not really sure, to be perfectly honest. Like little monsters fighting. Ah. But yeah, I remember we tried shooting. We did shoot, not tried. We shot some stuff. And well, we shot from three episodes, but like two of them were unfinished and one of them was. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Always fun. And, and like to me, the your landlord character was like my favorite thing because he was just like everybody's idea of what the worst possible landlord, the sleaziest landlord they can But would you believe me, Brian, if I told you I have no memory of what I did? Um, I have no memory. I know we did it, and I know I had fun, and I know someone banged a big bear. That that would be me. (laughs) And and, and Rondrell. Both of us uh, had our way with that big bear. Yeah. 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 I mean... Rondrell is like... Like, sees me doing that, and he's like, I, I got to have at this. And he did it with rhythm. Like, he had he, some serious... Like me, I was trying to make it look like a dog humping a toy, and, and he's like, no, I'm going to make love to this bear. Yeah, no, he 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 had babies with that thing. Yeah, and, and he did... I mean, they, they got it from multiple positions. Like, every so often, I get a message from Ron Drell, like, every so... Like, a year or so, and it's that video of, of him with the bear. <laughs> does so he still funny. have the bear no he has the video that oh. he just like he passes around every so often he's like hey guys remember that time i fucked the bear how big of a bear was this it was like well it wasn't quite human size it was pretty close oh it was, it was a big bear it was a, a big, big bear big stuffed bear but like oh, uh, i like, think a lot of the stuffing had been taken out of it by that point oh like like basically like one of those carnival dream prizes that yeah can get like the the carnival dream prize thing was fucked out of it that's a perfect, yeah. Those are both perfect ways to explain both the last, the both the things that you both just said were perfect ways to explain those things. Um, yeah, but uh, just to let everybody know, uh, uh, this was not a porno with uh, with us and a bear. This was this was acting, serious acting. It was porno was acting. Yeah, but this, yeah, it is. You're actually correct, but. This was this was simulation. Simulation. <clears throat> My first gig in LA was a porno. What were you My like first, an extra? My I was hired to be an extra after going to audition with Margot for a uh, agent. And as we were leaving, he was like, Will you go to a strip club tomorrow and work? And 
we, I said yes, and Margot drove me there, and I showed up late. And when I got there, they ushered me in, and there was this boxing ring, and these two naked women boxing inside, and a group of Hispanic men surrounded outside. And these Hispanic men were like on here on me. So they usher me over to these Hispanic men, and I stand there with them, like money in my hand, like, yeah! Yeah, as the director shoots the scene, and mm-hmm. they cut three times and the director comes over to me. He's like, look, you're a little too distracting. So we have to take you out of the scene. And uh, my first gig in LA, I was fired from a porn film. That's hilarious. For being tall. For being essentially being too tall. I did get paid that day. And I also went, this was like 2008, 2009. So it was right after the the crash. Yeah. And like, I remember being, I, I went to the green room afterwards and there were people back there. And I remember talking to one guy who was like, yeah, I used to teach at Pepperdine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you taught at Pepperdine and now you're an extra in a porn film? Oh, wow. My God. And I was like, and I thought of, I was sort of in the same position coming from UCLA, but I'm, I wasn't a professor there. You know, I wasn't like teaching a class for a whole semester all on my own. I was teaching classes here and there for people. So it was a little different, but I just felt like, oh my God, wow, anything can happen in life. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd actually, uh, I think I submitted to be extra in one while I was up there too, because I was like broken. I'm like, well, they're paying. Uh, in LA? Yeah, which I didn't get it. I guess they looked at me and they're like, I don't believe this guy would be in the background of porn. This guy's gonna, he's going to kill the porn for everybody that sees it. They just like look at it and they're like, well, I was getting all into it. Then I saw this guy. Imagine you do it and you kill the entire porn industry. Like it all <laughs> falls apart after that because it's just everyone's turned off by sex and there's it's nobody wants it's, it's, it goes, I'm sorry, I just can't do it no more. It, it goes viral. It's just like, have you seen this guy that's standing in the background of this movie? Look at him. Just just look at look him. At you him. don't even want to have sex with him. That guy, that guy is like the opposite of sex. It's ruined everything for everyone. No one's had children for 20 years because of this it's guy. The children of men world. That's how it happened. Right. That's, how, that's great. <laughs> um. Did, did I ever tell you, Dan, uh, like the first year that I was or the first Valentine's Day that I was in California, that I ended up going to a vivid porn like party thing? Like nice. it was like everybody in there was nothing but like porn stars, producers, whatever. And my friend knew a guy that was he was a porn producer and they were having some big show on. Uh, showtime called deeper throat where they, there was two different companies competing to re to make a sequel to deep throat and uh, uh my friend's friend was the owner of the company that's not vivid because <laughs> it was vivid versus them okay. and anyway, so went in there and like i didn't know what, what to expect like it was like this building rented out everybody's wearing tuxedos and like nice dresses me i was just dressed like me and like uh i mean everybody it was just like you know pretty much like any premiere party that you would expect it was like that and uh i remember they have them having uh free alcohol and so i just kept out drinking while i was there yeah so anyway long story short ended up hanging out with a bunch of porn stars went to their own private house party all this 
nothing that you would expect from porn happened. It was just like everybody watching their own premiere. Nobody delivering pizzas. Yeah, nobody delivered a pizza. Nobody fixed plumbing. Were there any? Somebody, somebody uh, delivered cocaine. Not to me because I don't do cocaine. But like, yeah, other other people are like, hey, the cocaine's here. <laughs> yeah. And, and did that happen? That's kind of funny. Did they go like the cocaine's here? Is that what they actually? Yeah, did? they actually. Hey, the cocaine's here, guys. Came in on silver <laughs> And somebody comes in. Here's your cocaine, says and madams. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't order all this much cocaine. Um, that's great. I've never been to, uh, I've dated a couple of strippers, but I've never been to a porn party. I have a feeling that maybe if I played my cards right that day, I probably could have gotten a, a job as a fluffer. <laughs> I, I, I'm laughing at your setup of it. If I played my cards right, this <laughs> I mean, there's high barrier to entry in that, you know? <laughs> how do you write, how do you, what's the resume like? And is the resume like, like all d- filthy and does it have cum all over it? Oh, God. <laughs> resume as a As you can see, I clearly know what I'm doing. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I imagine it's one of those, it's just the, the audition is the job interview, is the actual work. <laughs> oh wow three birds one stone <laughs> so uh what was it that we uh we were doing the show on again oh yeah mel brooks yeah not porn yeah not- this has been this has been the uh fucking movie podcast about actual fucking movies this time right well why not porn is an industry it's the mo- makes more money than any other industry apparently True. it's a gigantic industry yeah. and, and you and you would think that it'd be hard to keep everything uh going only being able to use one hand yeah, I'm just saying everybody's probably jerk. Oh, okay, in case we didn't get it. What? I was making a joke, jacking off joke about like people keeping it going and they only have one hand. Available. But the, the industry is like a multiple people, but they're all jerking off. It's not a funny joke. As we can see, I'm not the comedian here. <laughs> Neither am I. I'm quitting. I don't ever want to do comedy again. I'm done. Tragedy. I'm just tired of this two-bit town, this one-horse two-bit town. I got to move on. I got to try new things. I don't know. I'm just joking. I don't think I could ever stop doing uh, entertainment completely. Like, I, I don't even know that I've ever taken a break. I've never been what I would consider successful. I'm sure there are some people... I mean, there's always someone that's looking up and there's always someone looking down. Mm-hmm. And it is our um, responsibility when we get that elevator to the top to send it back down to people. I'm just being anecdotal and saying stuff. I'm not uh, really talking about anything right now. All right. Good. <laughs> I'm politicking. I'm politicking. I'm being, right. so- I'm being like being a politician. So let's 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 uh go ahead and get to uh the Mel Brooksiness of this Mel Brooks. Yeah, we're talking about Mel Brooks today. Looking forward to this. All right. So uh do you like Mel Brooks? Do you like Mel Brooks? No, that was my question. <laughs> I rehearsed that. Wait, then whose question should I answer then? I don't want to find one. Both the same question, question. So you could answer both at the same time, I just, guess. No, no, no. Just do it twice. You might okay, get an I'll, and I'll direct it at the middle of the couch. All right. Yes. Okay. 
I'm sorry, Mel who? Uh, Mel Kaminsky. Oh, Mel- yeah. It's a pitcher for the Dodgers, right? I, I think, is that is that actually Mel Brooks' name? Like, I, I looked it up last week. Yeah, that is his, yeah, that, yeah, I believe that is his <laughs> he, uh He was also a war veteran. Yes, he was. Um, he was, um, I kind of had an amazing career. And I mean, at a time, I mean, he became famous because it was a, there was a time where you could just like show up at a show and be like, hey, I want to be a writer. And you might, you know, you, have more, you had a better chance of doing it and just going there and doing it than just showing up at NBC now. They'll throw you out. They won't think that's not going to happen. But back then, like even Woody Allen, he, he, he started on the same show that Mel Brooks was writing for, a show of shows. Mm-hmm. And Woody Allen wrote for that last season. And it was, it, 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 he's not even really remembered for that. You know, that's not something yeah. that uh, necessarily, but I love Mel Brooks. I always have. I love the, from the beginning of his career to, to now, he's one of the oldest guys. He's been around for a long time. He's been able to still stay relevant i mean that's crazy yeah. to be in the entertainment business and to be relevant for that many decades since the 50s really um doing comedy in new york city that's five six seven decades of being a very successful compete comedian there's very few people that have done that and i don't want to hearken to him again but there's probably only one and that's woody allen there's oh. probably no one else who's been as prolific a comedic director other than those two guys i mean and yeah i mean i uh, especially through all those years i mean mel brooks first movie was in the 70s though right so i think it was uh, uh no, first one was in the 60s uh the yeah. producers you know, producers were 69 okay that makes sense 69 one or the other i believe i believe that um, and uh, what a great, I mean, Gene Wilder, great, great. It was a great Actually, movie. Let's, let's segue into that movie. Let's talk about that movie for a bit. Okay. Great cast. Amazing. Uh, Zero Mostel is one of the uh, greatest physical performer com- comedians ever. Apparently very hard to work with, mm. um, but very funny. Uh, big fan of that movie, The Producers. Um Gene Wilder in that is like so amazing, especially when he's having that that <laughs> breakdown. Like, ah! yeah, I love it. <laughs> I like like or the, the what was it? He was a is like looks, uh, by the way, Jared, Jared, Jared. Right now, it looks like you're holding Brian's dick. It looks like. It's just the angle. It's all a depth perception thing. Well, but, thank you. I guess. <laughs> Well, it wasn't like the audience isn't going to think, oh, he's comforting Brian. It's okay. <laughs> like, all these feelings about Gene Wilder are coming out. It's okay. Yeah. It happens, man. I hope like, whenever I talk about Gene Wilder, it's just like, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And that was Gene Wilder's, uh, one of his first roles. Not his first. I think he did uh, start the he, revolution. He was in something with uh, with uh, Anne Bancroft. Uh, like, I forgot what the project was, but he was in it, and that's what got him to to be friends with uh, with Mel he Brooks. Started, Mel Brooks talks about seeing him on Broadway, and it was like he he talks to him and tells him he has a part for him, and then it was three years before Gene Wilder heard from him again, mm-hmm. and then they did that that movie. But yeah, they met at some Broadway show, probably Broadway, off Broadway, something like that. 
that's where it uh, those uh, yeah i love those stories of that time too mm. you know the uh that whole generation of comedians i've always been very interested in uh the jack bennies and jackie gleason's and uh the lucille balls yeah yeah i just All watched a documentary on her recently on uh Amazon Prime, I think it was. Was that okay. a documentary they, about that movie? This is a documentary. It was about about her and uh and her uh marriage to uh Desi Arnaz. I think it would be really funny if you thought the movie was a documentary. <laughs> if you watched the movie, because that's what it sounds like. It sounds like you just like it's a, no, yeah, it's a documentary. Not... Amy Poehler did it. <laughs> okay, no, I know she did one. I do know she did one, yes. Yeah. Um, but uh I just think it'd be funny. It would be funny silly i like i like being as stupid as possible i i have um not anybody i'm uh related to so there's no tainting of that uh but i have known people that referred to biopics as documentaries so like that's not out of the realm of possibility there sure yeah you know and i wouldn't slight someone if they did but um i guess that's part of the problem with the some of the truth of the world today and the problem with facts and fiction and mm. what people believe and what people want to make other people believe and make believe and you know. yeah um i i was thinking about today like that one of the interesting things to me and i was watching a bit of a documentary on uh uh the making of producers and uh it's interesting to me like that the backlash that he was getting trying to get this made because of the whole springtime for Hitler. Cause that was originally what he was going to call it springtime for Hitler. And yes. like, and like, just like even people, whenever it first came out, just being like offended by it and everything like the Jewish community. And I'm like, well, this is the world war two vet that is Jewish that made this With <laughs> Jewish cast. Yeah. Right. Mostly Jewish cast. Um, probably almost all maybe it was all jewish like it was probably mostly yeah might have been all jewish um but uh yeah it's a incredible piece for the time it wasn't even that long after the war really not really in the grand scheme of things you know it's like 15 years the war ended 16 16 years before that but they were also doing hogan's heroes at the time Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know this is a connection to UCLA that uh, you might find interesting. Maybe you remember a na- man named Merle Schreibman. Yes, I do. He produced a movie the same year as Blazing Saddles. I know the movie you're talking about. Called Boss N Word. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And they spell it out. And it's, but Fred Williamson wrote the movie, so I guess that it's easier yeah. to get away with it back then, even what I. I yeah. It, but, even, there's even a song yeah n-word in the movie and so that these movies came out the same year and they're the same story so merle says that mel brooks stole the idea for blazing saddles because both movies are about a black sheriff that comes to a, a western town and shows the white people who's boss and you know takes over and brings justice very similar. The, the, the argument I would give Merle is that um, this was originally this movie, Blazing Saddles, wasn't meant to be a comedy. It was meant to be serious. And the uh, I think that the I, correct me if I'm uh, I'm wrong, but I think the original title was Black Bart, 
and it was supposed to be a serious Western about a, a black sheriff. And then when Mel Brooks got it, he ended up deciding to go in a comedy direction. So he didn't write the first draft of that Not script? Not the first draft, but what we ended up getting, yeah. But the original draft, it was another story. And this is uh, something that, uh, from what I understand, uh, um, they completely had the rights to, like, to do what they wanted with. So so this was, like, one of those, like, uh, how Beverly Hills Cop and Cobra mutated exactly. in the same script. Exactly. I did not know that. Um, but I believe yeah, it's supposed to be either. called Black Bart, if I'm not too badly mistaken. And isn't there a mention of Black Bart in the movie? Anyway? Well, I mean, the character's name was Bart. So right. I, don't I think vaguely remember them saying Black Bart at some time. I, I, think I, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I can't remember completely, but I don't know. I, I, I've seen a pilot that yeah, was called that, Black that was Bart. That, that was actually uh, mentioned. It was on the DVD. Yeah. There was a pilot. Like it was a, more TV series. TV series spinoff of Blazing Saddles, just titled Black Bart. What? Yeah, I have what? no. I never heard of that. That's crazy. Um, a, another fascinating thing wow. to, since we're on Blazing Saddles now is uh, that the sheriff was originally envisioned to be Richard Pryor. Right, but they, he was a drug addict, so they were afraid that he was. Studio was like. Yeah. And uh, and he still ended up doing a lot of the writing. I think that they wanted him to. I think they wanted him to write a lot of the racial humor, but he gravitated more toward the Mongo character and just wrote yeah. most of the Mongo stuff. He also wrote the Bean scene, which is the like one of the most famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, which is hilarious. Which ridiculous. I remember. Uh, I saw it on TV uh, in the eighties, and that was the scene that got cut. Out of everything else, the fart scene was the one that got knocked yeah. out of the movie for television. It is amazing how far we've come yeah. as far as what we accept in society and still how much it changes and how much it goes back and forth because there's things that we're not accepting now that we would have accepted 30 years ago. Well, it's like, I think that's kind of a flip on the head because I think if they uh, put it on like, I guess network TV, whatever that means today is... Uh, that would probably be the only scene left in the movie. Mm. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Yeah. I I think it's fascinating that when you look back at that movie, though, look look at how the racist characters are portrayed in this movie. Like, all of them are buffoons, they're imbeciles, they're idiots. Right. And I, th- I think that's interesting. It's like a, a commentary that they were doing is like, you know, people that are racist like this are idiots. And uh, that's what I take from it. But like every single one of them is that buffoonish. And, and well, he also, Mel Brooks came from a place where he understood that being a Jewish guy yeah. growing up during the war and before the war, and, you know, it just seems like it would make sense that it would happen that way. Yeah. And, um, uh, Getting to to another thing that I'm wanting to bring up frequently through these movies is Madeline Kahn. Oh, I think yeah. she might be one of, if not the, definitely up there in the top ten, probably top, probably number one, uh, best comedic actress of all time. Uh yeah, she's up there. She's a fantastic one. There's a lot of them, but she's uh, she's one of the best, and she was in almost every 
uh, Mel Brooks movie. He was in quite a few. Like, it, it, I mean, as a matter of fact, his very next movie, too. I mean, yeah, up, up to a point. Uh, I mean, that was something, uh, I guess, with Mel Brooks, like, he had his, his cast of regulars up until a point, and you saw those kind of get replaced as time went on, and it, sure. it, it hurt his work, I think. Yeah, yeah. once, once you like like got away from those regulars, yeah. If you look like something like Men in Tights, there was really no carryovers from that time period yeah. other than maybe Dom DeLuise. Yeah. yeah. That was about and it. Dracula Dead and Loving It maybe went back a little more. I don't remember the cast being as impressive, although Peter McNichol we talked about the other day. Yeah, I freaking love Peter McNichol, which <laughs> let, let's let's uh let's go through his movies, you know, and get there <laughs> to to uh, Dracula Dead and Love. Oh, it. sorry. Yeah, yeah. You know, I kind of that's how my brain works. It's all um, so uh, I'm I'm actually trying to. Br- oh, there it goes. Um, well, I know the next one's going to be Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein, because uh, shockingly, uh, I believe Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein were released in the same calendar year. Yeah, I looked at it. Both in seventy four. But I, I I know Mel Brooks says that he believes that Young Frankenstein is his best film he ever done. Like I've heard him say that. But he got what he got to do in that movie was deal with a really small cast. Mm-hmm. So I think you know the only scenes where there's lots of people are those scenes where they're chasing Frankenstein. Yeah, there's no real other scenes where there's lots of you know there's probably about eight people in that movie so i think that's part of it he got to yeah, really direct people I, I would be interested i always wanted to see a director like him do something like a totally different genre well maybe not yeah. directing but producing wise he has oh like, yeah definitely. you know you have brooks films which those right and there which was are. a lot of t- different stuff with that like you had to fly, fly. Elephant man Elephant man yeah yeah which those they are the, were, the two that stick out in my head. Say again? The Fly and Elephant Man were Brooks films. Oh, yes, they were. That's right. I remember the Elephant Man was. I did not know the Fly was, but that sort of makes sense. He, yeah, even during that whole time, he and Bancroft was such a uh, important piece, and she was a really good actress who mm-hmm. was doing so many dramatic roles. And she did that movie again with Dom DeLuise, the uh, Fatso. She okay. Fatso with him, yeah. Which needs to, I don't say that things need to be remade a lot, but I think Fatso needs to be remade. I don't but think like, I've ever seen Fatso, to be it's, honest. It's good. Um, it is pretty good. And for, sad. For as much of a weird punchline that Dom DeLuise became, um, yeah, that's yeah. with his, I guess, his uh, a face in the crowd that kind of showed like, what he was capable of because you know we're used to like one version of this guy that was the only movie that ann bancroft directed and wrote i need to but go watch it i i just haven't been around got around to do it i, I, mean, need I to. would i would i i wish someone would rewrite it do it with a woman as the dumb deloise role okay and she'll win a, she'll win an oscar you could like a role like that right now could easily win an oscar you know, you know what would happen with that, right? They, they would take like some actress, like a, I don't know, like a Jennifer Lawrence, and they put her in like a padded suit. 
For what? What are we talking about? For for like a remake of Fatso. Oh well, yeah, that's what I mean. I actually yeah. saw it as Melissa McCarthy. Oh no, they'll, they'll, yeah, they'll that's take, what I thought. Whenever they'll, you said they'll it. take a slender actress in in, in yeah, they probably probably. I mean, and the whole ending would be her becoming thin and pretty, and then the whole message would be lost. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, I don't know. I know we're diverting. And uh, he has how many how many movies did he direct? We talked about that too. I, like, he's he's directed directed quite a few. Uh, I pulled up the IMDb because I was about to like make that claim about uh, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein being the same year, and I made it a recommendation on an earlier episode, and I was like, oh my god, I've completely switched around the actors. But his total directing was only eleven movies. Right, that's not that many. It's not that many at all. And once you get past uh, History of the World, they're, like, really spaced out. Mm. Yeah, she stopped working as much. And then Producers, the musical, was so successful over that period of time. It won, like, 15 Mm -hmm. Tonys that year or something. But I I didn't know. I thought he directed that. And I found out the other day that he didn't actually direct it. He was a producer on the producers. Right, he was a producer. He didn't direct the second version of it. No, um... I don't even know who directed that. I don't either, to be honest with you. But I know it was a play. It was a play, a musical play before it became a movie. That version of it. You want to hear something else that's interesting? There's another interesting musical coming out. There's a Jaws musical coming out. Oh wow! Oh wow! Wonder the shark sings. I hope so. I hope the shark sings. It's about the making of Jaws. Oh, oh, it's actually. More interesting. So the start thinking about not working is like, I'm not going to work. Right. It's called Bruce. Oh, my God. That's yeah. awesome. And it's about it's mostly about Steven Spielberg and his process going through it. But I thought that, I used to make jokes about Jaws being a musical years ago. Like that would just yeah. be a funny musical to do or like the, the shark having a song or a lamentation would be very funny. Um. Well, getting getting back to uh, yeah, let's Frankenstein. I'm more interested in this Jaws musical now. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but get, getting back to Young Frankenstein, I think it was fascinating that they chose to film it very much so in the style of the original 1930s Universal Frankenstein. I, I don't even know if that's in the style. It's dead on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It and, is dead on. And I think they even shot it in one of those old... Um, houses that a lot of those vincent price movies were shot in like mm. some very popular famous horror movies were shot in that same place um you, you don't really see a lot of parodies nowadays try to capture the style of what they're parodying the way that did because parodies don't exist anymore that's true real parody yeah i guess like uh Movies like Airplane don't happen anymore. Yeah. You know, movies like that, that kind of comedy is dead, but some, so is the rom-com somewhat. There aren't a lot of romantic comedies that come out. It's, we're so glutted with superhero movies. And well, I mean, I think um, comedy is, is, or at least cinematic comedy is dead. I mean, it, it died a long time ago. Well, so, like, the idea of a beautiful... A, a beautiful, funny movie like Broadcast News probably couldn't come out. Now. No, it, it would be an HBO Max series. Well, to me, sure. the, last, the last really good parody, in my opinion, was Black Dynamite. Oh, God, one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's done in the style of those movies, shot just like it was. Yeah. Which is which is weird because I'm like, it, it did a good enough job, and it's like well, that was that long ago. I was like, it's like, oh no, that's that's a more recent, like yeah. you know, past 10, 15 years. And then, well, like, in my head, head. Say okay. again? I was gonna say, and then prior to that, Shaun of the Dead. Sure. Like, yeah. No, that's the same. That's a similar. Yeah, you're right. I guess it just. I don't but know. to me, those are the types of of movie the movie parodies i enjoy which is why i love mel brooks so much is that the bringing the attention to actually being truthful to the style of what he's parodying which i sure he he takes uh he takes those genres and he does like he and i know you're trying to go movie to movie but he does that with high anxiety yeah actually i said this is a good segue to talk about high anxiety actually right high anxiety is probably it's in my it's yeah, I would say high anxiety and history of world part one are my two favorites of his, but high high anxiety, he like very much so captures the Hitchcock style. I mean, like dead yeah. open. I think the opening is a swirly thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing from that movie is whenever they're they're doing the slow zoom oh, toward the, the window gag, yeah. and the camera goes through the window. I love that that so much. Yeah, that's film noir. That that's that that's in part that's the the parody there is film noir and suspense and thriller. But Alfred Hitchcock would touch on film noir in his yes. Um, and again, I mean, well, obviously she was in Young Frankenstein as well, but Madeline Kahn's in this one, and she's great in this. She's so good in everything. Yeah. She and really she played a... she played not entirely straight in high anxiety, but mostly straight compared to her other roles. I mean, like you look at her in Young Frankenstein, she's like got that like uh what was it like uh where he's blowing a kiss at her and she's like ducking it and like all this. And you go to this movie, she's playing like very much so a much more straight romantic lead character for this comedy, which I Thanks, pretty neat. Uh, yeah, almost all the whole movie's a little done a little more straight. The comedy is a little mm-hmm. more straight and not as silly, although there are some yeah. silly things. Yeah. Also, there's also a song in it, that high anxiety song. Is, yeah, which is it's great. Yeah, I, I didn't see that movie until uh, within the past couple of years because uh, Brian was asking, Have you ever seen High Anxiety? Because I was listing off, like, you know, I know there's like Mel Brooks stuff that I've, I've never seen Silent Movie. I still haven't seen Silent Movie. Uh, I've seen, seen Silent Movie, but I have a difficult time with that one. Just so much of a disconnect from silent films for me. Because I've it's seen it, but I never heard it. Something on top. Yeah. Oh. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> You know the only spoken word in that movie? I do. You know who says it? What is it? Uh, it it it's Marceau Marceau, and he says no. So the irony of the mime yeah. saying the only word in the silent movie is a favorite joke of all time. Yeah. And it's just no. Yeah. Or bathing together, you know, Burt Reynolds and James Caan. Mm-hmm. Dom DeLuise again, bathing together. Well, we almost talk about Dom DeLuise more than Mel Brooks. <laughs> well, he's in a few more of his, so we'll be talking he about is. him some more. He never goes away. Um, 
uh, like uh, I, I was wanting to mention because we didn't mention her when we were talking about Young Frankenstein, but she's also in High Anxiety. Uh, uh, Doris Leachman. Is- Doris, Doris Leachman. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember. I'm bad with names. This is going to happen all throughout this uh, this podcast. Yeah. I'm going to mess up people's names. But this is the first time you've done that. And that was pretty bad. Well, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it more. It'll happen. But uh, <laughs> she she is brilliant in both of these movies. Like I mean, like yeah, I mean, she is hilarious. She's one of the most celebrated comedic actresses of all time. She's one of the best uh, sort of supporting actresses. She's probably never really uh, had a leading role, but if you go to things like The Last Picture Show. She plays a very, very serious character, a very sad, serious character. And uh, she's, also, she's also a great actress. And that was when she was particularly young. But yeah, her stuff with Mel Brooks is the most memorable. And Val Bluka, of course, from Young Frankenstein is the most memorable. Yes. And then High Anxiety, she's very funny too. Um, and she's just, yeah, she's just great. I like her a lot. Yeah, and, um, so what what was next in uh, Mel Brooks's? Uh... It's your favorite. Which one? History of the World Part One. I was being sarcastic. Oh, is it but really? Yeah, yeah, you should know your favorite. My you favorite really Mel know which one's your favorite, Brian. I know which one's my favorite, but I thought he was being ironic. No, I mean, just, what do you think? I was going to throw like Life Stinks at you or something? No, I love Life Stinks. It's not your favorite. Um, so uh, History of the World Part One, like uh can't get over you can't get over the fact that uh you got Orson Welles doing the narration that is just amazing and you have Sid Caesar mm-hmm. who's considered one of like the biggest dicks in comedy he was like a very a strong-minded person in comedy he's the first critic and pees on someone's artwork yeah and that's the opening scene that is that is hilarious and it's just and it's basically what Sid Mel Brooks is writing about what Sid Caesar always did to him in the writing room. Yeah, which which uh, you listen to Mel Brooks talk. Him, him and Sid Caesar, I guess, have just been that close for I don't know how long because every story he ever always tells has Sid Caesar in it. Yeah, I'm gonna miss seeing him and Rob Reiner together. Oh Rob my god, Carl Reiner Carl together. Reiner. Yeah, because the those were... year old man. 2000 year old man and just just their conversations mm-hmm. um and i imagine that's very hard for mel because they would hang out every day yeah for a long time they were hanging out every day and uh yeah they've known each other they knew each other a very long time important people in comedy i'm surprised carl reiner didn't show up in more of mel brooks's movies yeah, that is kind of surprising, isn't it? He does show up in the jerk for a minute, but yeah, Paul Rounder didn't do a lot. We're actually going to do an episode about the jerk, uh, not the, not the two episodes from three, three episodes, three oh, episodes from now, three episodes from now is the jerk. Oh, wow, you have some serious planning. Wow, good for yeah. you guys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that, it's so serious that I can't remember. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh. Let's let's uh, talk a little bit more on history of the world before we uh, move on to a, a different one. But uh, um, I think one of my favorite jokes, which was also I guess in the uh, commercials and everything for it, 
was the uh, Ten Commandments joke. Yeah. Where he comes out, I give you these fifteen, and he drops one. These ten commandments, I, that 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 cracks me up. I, I and um and the parting of, of the water where he gets held up by the guy, and they thought that he he parted it, but it had nothing to do with it. Right. And he's like, "You son of a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> Someone getting blamed for something they didn't do is always funny. Mm. Um, those sketches. I'm remembering right now, I'm remembering the sketches at the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. The, the, first, like, uh, the first in credits uh, oh, thing uh, I can remember. God. That's, uh, honestly, uh, it's it's the, probably the most memorable Hitler part. On yeah, Hitler on ice. Jews Hitler on ice. Jews in Spain. Hitler on ice is one of the, and I think I might have laughed at that more than anything else as a kid, seeing yeah. that and just being so blown away. But nobody's going to make that joke anymore. No, the, the joke that I I always go back and laugh at from this movie more than any of them is the part where they have the Senate vi- voting on what to do about, you know, like it's like, do we take our money and give it to ourselves or do we take it to help the poor? And how do we vote? Fuck the poor. Right. Or um, when uh, Mel Brooks is trying to get his unemployment money. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's she's like... Uh, he says he's a stand-up philosopher. And she's like, oh, so you're a bullshit artist. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my another and, favorite. And I, I, love, I love his reaction. So she's like, did you did you bullshit today? Did no. you bullshit last week? Yeah. And he just looks so annoyed by her line of questioning. <laughs> yeah, very funny. And I love I love the piss boy thing in, in the movie. You look like the piss boy. Well, you yeah. look like a pile of shit. <laughs> Yeah, you look like a bucket of shit. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, Harvey Corman, just one of the best. We didn't even say his name yet. Um, oh. He was in a lot of, uh, even up until the last movies that, you know, yeah, yeah. some of those later movies. Harvey Corman was in a lot of Blazing Saddles and uh, this, uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It. Yeah, yeah that's, that's um, what I mean. It's the last thing Mel Brooks has, to this date, has directed, so. And I think probably yeah, it's right. It's the last thing that he directed, but and he's been so prolific since then. You wouldn't know that that was the last thing he directed. Yeah, he yeah, hasn't directed anything in this this century. Yeah, twenty five years. He really should. Why not? He probably doesn't want to work. I would love it if he would. Like I remember they were hinting at one time that they were going to do Spaceballs too. And I like getting all excited, which now I guess they're doing a series, History of the World Part 2. They're doing a TV series, yeah. yeah. It'll probably be a sketch show. So I'm assuming a, I'm assuming that Mel Brooks probably isn't going to do any directing on it, though. Well, Mel Brooks should probably have licensed it to them as a concept for good, because you could keep on doing yeah. that. You yeah. can keep on doing sketches about history and sketches about Napoleon and George Washington. and mm-hmm. We have so much history to mess with. Yeah. I would love to write for a show like that. That would be a perfect place for me to change history. It's an opportunity yeah. to change history. Yeah, I would love that. Um, so what, what's next on his movies? Oh, I'm not looking at my phone anymore. Uh, it's it's Spaceballs, though. Uh, uh, that's probably my favorite. That one, um, it, was the, it was the first one I saw. It's definitely one of my favorites. The uh, first one you saw. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a kid, I'd watch anything adjacent to Star Wars. So okay. I was probably eight or nine when it came out. 
And it was okay, like so we're the same age. Oh, okay. I just so, turned forty-five. So let's see, I'm forty-two. So okay. what you I'm doing the math bad. Hmm. Well, close enough. But either way, uh, it, it was Star Wars esque. So yeah. And uh, I'm like, oh, I'll watch this. And John Candy was in it, which yeah. as a kid he was for some reason one of my favorites. So my, yeah, Uncle Buck. It was Uncle Buck and. The, those and a couple of other movies from around that time, Summer Rental and yeah. The Great Outdoors. Great outdoors. Yeah. Those funny movies. But yeah, no, Spaceballs was had such a cast from Joan Rivers to um, Bill Pullman, who became so famous after that, um, to the girl who was on uh, Daphne Zaniga. That's right. She was on Growing Pains. Yeah. And uh, well, Melrose Place, I think, after that. Yes, I think yep. so. Yes, that's right. And uh, also the fly part two, which is kind of funny because that's Brooks film. Brooks film was the fly two of Brooks film. I bet you they're both are. Why wouldn't well, it? Why be? wouldn't they be? Why wouldn't he just be a producer on it? Yeah, I mean, like it. Yeah, I don't, I, know. I don't see why they would switch companies. I'm gonna look that up. <laughs> we may be yeah. wrong. We may be wrong, but like I'm just assuming that you know it's like, hey, I got this girl from this. You know, throw her in here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I use the cast again. It's the fly too, though. I mean, we're not we're not debating on how good it is. No, it's like <laughs> I got this, now I got this high minded like you know it's the elephant man and the fly and it's like the fly too. It's like oh, I mean nobody's right. above the cash grabs. Like no, no search for more money. Yeah, search for yeah, more money. Right. Why why would you be? I don't think I I would sell out. Whatever selling out is, selling out just seems to be selling out is making money. Why are people complaining about making money? Those are people who aren't making the money are saying that other people are selling out. Probably. Yeah, that's what I You need to stop selling out. <laughs> you can you sell out. Sell out, dude. You're selling out. Like when Fish, Fish had a song that became really popular off of one of their albums, uh, Floating in the Plethora. I forgot the name of the song, but it was like one of their... It, it, same, same situation. Same thing. Those fans are pretty rabid to start with, so yes, they are. They are. Um, yeah, it's fine selling out. Just make a make a million good sequels to something good. Fly to right, like they're yeah. doing now with Star Wars and uh, the metaverse of all of the things, and they're bringing the metaverse to Star Trek. You mm. know, I mean, there's a whole other world of Picard. Picard has yeah. a metaverse. And he, uh, yeah, he's a murderer in that other. That's oh, that, but that's an alternate reality. He's so a, you're you're up to date on it then, on Picard? Uh, no, I read an article this morning. Uh, <laughs> it's an alternate universe. It's not. Yeah, yeah. Brian, Brian keeps like you can watch Picard. I'm like, no, I'm not going to be doing that. I, I will watch anything they throw Picard in. I don't care if it's true to it or anything. Like Picard could be like just a wife beater. I'll watch it. I don't care. So it's basically any movie with Patrick Stewart. No, no, it's not. It has to be specifically Picard. They have to call him Jean Luc. Stop hitting me, Jean Luc. It's not right. This so is. Can we just overdub other? Yeah, just loop it in, Picard. Yeah, yeah. The, the word Picard. Yeah. yeah, I like that. In Life Force, he's Picard. What's in that? Jeffrey. In Dune, he's Picard. And yeah. Excalibur, he's Picard. Right. In Dune, he's Picard. Did you just say that? Yeah, I said that. Okay. 
Well, we should say it twice. I mean, because say it twice, like, it makes it it makes it all the more important. And we've made a whole multiverse of Picards now. Oh, yeah. um, so we're talking about a cast of uh, of uh, Spaceballs. I I do find it interesting that they casted the same guy from Alien for the chestburster scene to play basically the same role in this. What? Yeah, John Hurt. Who played Hurt, the John. Elephant Man. Oh my God! I didn't realize yeah. it was which John is Hurt another in, another Brooks film. Right. That's definitely why he, that joke happened. Yeah. Definitely because of that. And they only brought back like, John oh, Hurt. No, 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 they, brought back, they brought back everybody except for Sigourney Weaver for that scene. The whole cast. Yeah. You got Bakotos there, and even the the mousy looking chick. Mm-hmm. So there, I remember. Yeah, that's and that I think when that thing comes out of that thing's body. At that time, I don't think I laughed at anything more than that. Yeah. <laughs> in that movie, and him dancing, hello, my baby. Yeah. Hello. It's so unexpected and so just one of my favorite jokes ever. I think it That's changed what, my personality. It was one of those that um, I think uh, growing up uh, on VHS, seeing it, uh, that's one of the first times I realized that uh, movies on TV were different than movies in the theater, and I couldn't put my finger on it. But like, if you watched it, and I'm pretty sure it's not like that on like the DVD or the Blu-ray, during that scene, a little alien puppet, you could see like the armature underneath him. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I remember that. Yeah, it's like I was like, oh, well, I didn't want to see the magic. Yeah, right. Which is that makes me think of Pee Wee's Big Adventure when he's pulling the chain out of the bike. You can see the chain underneath the bike coming through the bike, and I'm like, mm. Tim Burton must have done that on purpose. That couldn't have been an accident. They had to see that. If I noticed that. Yeah. No, things awesome. like that. I love that stuff. Um, I love I love the uh, Planet of the Apes, you know, okay. thing at the end, where they're where they're like coming out of the statue's nose, and they're like, "Oh, oh shit, it's the space balls." Right. I one of the most memorable uh, lines is she's gone from suck to blow. Yes. Yes. I, I still don't think I get it. Like I still don't think I get the joke. I know what it's re- I get what it's referencing, but it's like they're both the same thing, so you can't go from one to the other. I, I love it's, that it's a sexual uh, circumstance. They're the same thing. I love like, that. This is no, me trying to pull apart a joke, and I shouldn't. I you, shouldn't try to pull it apart. Just dissecting it down to nothing. Yeah. I, I love that Mel Brooks's president character. He has like a video screen everywhere, including like in front of the urinal. Right. Like. And then, like, you just see the girl, like, looking down. <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. Or Perrier, another funny yeah. joke. And I saw stolen somewhere recently. Someone else stole the joke and used it in something. I forgot. It all surprised me. I think, um, and Spaceballs probably isn't my favorite Mel Brooks, but it's probably the one with the most. In other hands, would have been, like, really, really lazy jokes, like the, the, the Perrier, uh, Pizza the Hut. Which is so stupid. He said it. Where's your Dom DeLuise? Like, uh, all the, the merchandising gags. Yeah. Um, God, everything. I, I, actually, I, now I remember my favorite gag in the whole movie is the stunt doubles. Oh, yeah, the stunt doubles. Oh, God. But that, and that's a, that's a gag that's used in a lot of movies. Yeah. That's used in I'm going to get you, sucker. They do it in Black Dynamite. Yeah. They do yeah. that in the, That's funny. It is a favorite joke another one that's a favorite joke just changing the look of something completely 
like even like getting the the, the stand-in or the stunt double to be a black guy instead of a white guy mm-hmm. it's funny too like it just completely changes and you're supposed to not notice oh and we we haven't brought up did we, have we brought up michael winslow as being in this movie yet i don't think we have no no that's a great moment yeah yeah, I mean, like that's just awesome that he brought him into it. Like, yeah, it's 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 a it's like everything dealing with that control room is is usually pretty fun in that movie. Uh everything, everything with Rick Moranis and uh-huh. Colonel Sanders, and what's the matter, Colonel <laughs> Sanders? Chicken, chicken, chicken. <laughs> <laughs> is this? And who is this? This is Mister Coffee. <laughs> so there's. Probably the most gag loaded as far as like could be lazy isn't which I, I think we'll get to later where there's gags that are lazy and stay lazy. It's the most money that he had for a movie up to that point. Yeah. They gave him a lot of money for that movie because what was right before that, it was to be or not to be. And it was nominated for Oscars for script and for and I mean, it won Charles Durning an Oscar. Charles Durning won an Oscar for To Be or Not To Be. Hmm. Yeah, so to, to Be or Not To, to Be is like kind of interesting because it's very different than Mel Brooks's normal style, but it's still just as good. It's a remake, too. It's a remake of... That I didn't know. Yeah. Um, and it is very good. It's another... Um, it's a more, it's not that it's serious. It's the only time him and Anne Bancroft work together mm-hmm. on a movie, um, in a movie together. Yeah. yeah. And I was actually mentioning that to Jared, that like, I bet you that he made it just to get a chance to work with his wife, you know, on something. That, that might actually be true. That might actually be true to why he did it. And I think what I'm hearing in my head right now is that someone else had the part and Mel Brooks had to take it over for some reason. Oh, okay. Like someone dropped out. Um, I don't know why that's what I'm remembering right now. I don't uh, know. I'm not really sure on that myself, but like that would make sense. Um, and uh, that had, uh, I think it, I don't think he's ever won an Oscar. Mel Brooks. No, probably not. Which is unfortunate. It is unfortunate. I think Charles, that that was the only time. I bet he was nominated for something. But maybe not. I'm not he even probably won from Golden Globes. Farm Press loves him. Mm-hmm. During um, the producers, the movie and, won uh, so many. Light, Life Stinks is another one where, if we're talking about well, ones where uh, his style is drastically different. That Yeah, that... Which that's the next one chronologically, anyway. And I just had to check because just for my own well-being, um, Mel Brooks was not a producer on The Fly too. Okay, good. So, I'm still saying he was. No, he wasn't. Was it? Oh, no, still? no. Nah, let's say it was. You're gonna say it was. It was. It, it had Daphne Zuniga in it, so yeah, it was. Yeah. That that's that's the only thing that's needed. She's Brooke films, as far as I'm concerned now. If she's in a movie, it's Brooks Films. I wonder what he's doing. I want you to know that I actually tagged Mel Brooks on Facebook um, with that we were doing this. Oh, man, I hope he's not watching me mess up stuff. <laughs> Is this live? Are we doing this live? Don't screw up his name. Uh, um, 
Mel and I know Brooks. that it is really Mel Brooks, but I don't know if he checks his page. Yeah. I don't know if it's him. Well, so let's be kind. Life stinks when we talk about it. Well, I, I love life stinks. No, I think it's good. I'm like, no, I don't even have to be kind to it because that's my feelings on it. Like, it's a great movie. It, it um, is, and it's different. It's a little more, um, it's not parody. Yeah. It's funny, but it's more conversational. Yeah. And it does have one of the funniest bits of his when they're, uh, that guy's dead, and they're trying to throw away his ashes, mm-hmm. and they throw them, and the ashes blow back on to everybody. That's yeah. a very funny moment. Yeah, and one of the best moments because it's a very real kind of thing that could actually happen. Yeah, and I, I think that's what like uh, I do like life things because it is such a so different. Like I mean, it's it's barely heightened. Um, it's you know, not a like I said, not a parody of anything. It's almost as straight as anything that he ever did. I think he wrote it right after Anne Bancroft died, so that might be part of what it came from. What do you think? Might be. I don't know. It's one of those. I, I, I even when uh, and I know people would talk about Mel Brooks. Um, with it's like that's one that never really comes up and they're like yeah life stinks and it's like what it's like yeah he made that in the early 90s in between space balls and robin hood right and robin hood which is the next one yeah yeah and and i and i know that a lot of people want to down on robin hood men in tights and uh dracula dead and loving it but i actually like both in men in tights He's making fun of his old jokes. He actually he actually had a show called When Things Were Rotten and he recycles some of the jokes from it. Cause like uh the the lend lim- me your ears joke, that was in that yeah. show. Right. I do remember yeah. that. And so um, it's yeah. very interesting that he recycles a lot of those jokes. It is interesting that you don't see a lot of that in comedy, but it sort of fits and he's paying homage to himself, really. And he has the uh, the joke from uh, History of the World Part One, the, it's good to be king. It's good to be the king, yes. Yeah. And I think, doesn't um, uh, Schwartz say that? The, the, the yogurt say that? I can't remember if he says it or not, but I know I know that, uh, that whenever, you know, he shows up as that, or he he does it in this and he does it in uh history of world part one but i cannot remember about space balls yeah does he say it or not i don't know i don't remember i haven't watched it in a couple of years it's been a couple of years for me to be honest i haven't watched any mill brooks stuff recently other than his interviews his broadway show the thing he did would call reiner yeah um, I haven't really watched his movies recently. I did watch Blazing Saddles in the yeah. last couple of years. Other than that, I haven't really. I used to watch Young Frankenstein. It wasn't that long ago. That we, it wasn't that long ago that we watched uh, uh, High Anxiety, right? High Anxiety, Young Frankenstein. Uh, yeah. I've watched Blazing Saddles in the past year, um, and Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh, and, and Robin Hood Men in Tights, like I. I think is important because that's my my introduction to Dave Chappelle. I think most people's introduction to Dave Chappelle. Yeah, probably mine too. It's like and that, I forgot that he was even in it. Yeah. yeah. It's it's one of those oddballs like, hey, remember Chappelle's in this? I'm like, what? Yeah. 
And then uh, Tracy Ullman's in it and playing the witch character. That's right. And then who played Abe Lincoln? Uh, I'm not actually sure who's playing him. Yeah, I'm looking at you with your cell phone. My cell phone. Because my cell phone's recording us. All right, all right. (laughs) And the bad guy in that was... That movie was able to be made because of the popularity of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah, the Kevin Costner. Right. So he was able to do Robin Hood Men in Tights to parody that. And if I recall, there's and a he scene. did very little parodying of that movie, if you really think about yeah, it. It's, it's all the Errol Flynn. Uh... Right. There's a lot of that. But there's I mean, also... he parodied The Witch, which was Tracy Ullman. Yeah. The Witch with Tracy Ullman, which I just I forgot about. But the scene where they break out in the beginning. Yeah. Break out of that. That's almost like a direct remake yeah. of the movie scene. And I remember him saying, we need a great feat of strength. And he's pointing at his feet. Like, we need to use our feet. And yeah. I remember thinking, is that supposed to be funny? <laughs> like, it's like, okay, it's like, okay, feet of strength, it's feet. But are you expecting it to laugh? <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, like, I... I I, I I loved it. And I love Carrie Elwes. Carrie Elwes will always be one of my favorites. He did that. And he did Princess Bride. And yeah. Just, I like Carrie Elwes a lot. And I like Amy Yazbek. Like, I think she's good. Sure. I can hear her voice in my head. Well, she was Marion. Yeah. Yeah. No, I realize that. But I can hear her. I can like, like remember. That her voice haunts him. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> she. I like her. I thought she was very pretty. Very, very pretty lady. Very pretty. Is uh, married to John Ritter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's sad. That's the saddest story in comedy. Well, one of them. He died on set. Yeah. Of a heart attack. But yeah, apparently you guys were asking about Blinken. I was like, Mark Blankfield? I was looking at that and it's like, and I know he's in Dracula Dead and Loving It, and that's... I couldn't. I wouldn't recognize him. I I, I was looking at him. I was like, I don't know if I've seen this guy in anything other than Dracula Dead and Loving It. And oh, and that's talking about yeah. Picard earlier. Patrick Stewart. Uh, oh yeah. He, okay. He does. He shows. Patrick up. Stewart plays the same role that uh, Sean Connery played in the uh, Kevin Costner one, which was uh, King Richard. Or if we. Oh right, that, of course, right. Plays from henceforward, we shall call bathrooms. John. John, yeah, and and that voice, John. That's right. Richard Lewis was in that. Yeah, probably Richard, Lewis. Richard Lewis's biggest role in a movie ever. Yeah, probably. I mean, like uh, you got. I mean, TV. He, you know, uh, Kirby. Well, TV. Got... Yeah, that's different. Yeah, oh, he yeah. was. Uh, he had a couple of shows. He had uh, the one with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. What was the name of that thing? Love something. Love something else. Something actually. Something actually, something like that. Yeah. Not love actually, but it's weird that that was even a show. And that matters. I think Jamie Curtis was on TV, like on a sitcom. After she was a star. Yeah. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It is weird. Sometimes when you see stars in sitcoms that were big. Yeah. Um, So Dracula dead and loving it. So I guess this is everybody's uh, least favorite of all of his, from what I understand. It's, yeah, it's 
Well, I mean, be honest. It's it's his worst wine. It's very childish. Which I'm cool with. I have no problem with it, but I think it's the most childish. It was almost like, I don't remember there being fart jokes in particular, but it's almost like the whole movie was the fart scene. Yeah, from it's, it's really Child. simple. And, well, I, I love the scene where Dracula and him are like constantly trying to get the last word. Like, I think that scene's hilarious. Like, one of them must say something, and then the other one just walk by the window and say something. And that is very from that time period. That's like taking something that maybe he wrote in the 50s. Mm-hmm. That's a very sort of vaudevillian kind of feel to it. And I, I, again, love Peter McNichol in this movie. I thought he was brilliant. Again, the bug joke, when he denies he's eating the bug, when no, he obviously no, eats bugs, is hilarious. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> What are you talking about? I didn't eat that. I love his Renfield laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He I, is I, great. Peter McNichol is great. He's the same guy that was nominated for an Oscar for Sophie's Choice. Yeah. And he was uh, in one of my favorite movies of all time, Dragon Slayer. Oh, I thought you were just going to say Ghostbusters 2. And that's another Slayer? one of my favorite movies of all time, Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> Ghostbusters Dragon Slayer, if that was on right now, I'd watch it. Me too. I love that movie so much. I Actually, Dan, so uh, well, uh, I don't know if you'd be interested in coming back to do one on Dragon Slayer, but I want to talk about that sometime. Or if you want to talk about it different movie. Again. Yeah. That'll have to watch again. It's been a long time. So I would love to, of course. Like, I freaking love Dragon Slayer. So if anybody anybody in the world wants to come on and talk about that, you... We'll anybody, just have a whole jam session. Let's just get everybody. We'll just get, like, everybody up there talking about Dragon Slayer. Make it a chat. Get yeah. lots of people in a Zoom. How many people can you get on a Zoom? I forgot. I don't know. I don't know. I got the free version, so how many would that allow? Uh, I don't know. Well, if we physically get people in a location, we that can would make work. it even more chaotic. And, and Right. But people need that now. People need to be brought to a place. To talk about Dragon Slayer. And, uh, yes, we're still yeah. talking about Dragon Slayer. That's what we should do. Um, and uh, let's see, uh, we touched a little bit on the uh, the uh, musical movie of uh, the producers. Yeah, which which he yeah. just produced. Uh, and, then, and then there was a musical, which I don't think they made a movie, but a musical of Young Frankenstein. So that's yeah, they're, they're, they're interesting they're too. A movie that. Right, which is surprising that they didn't. Like, I expected that to be the next. Why didn't they? I, I think because... That would be that's one of those movies that you just don't come at with a remake. I don't know. Uh, and, Maybe. and I think it would have been different because, I mean, like uh, the producers, uh, the musical on Broadway was this this massive, you know, Tony winning thing. So it's like, you know, that happens. Of course, you, you adapt it as a movie, which happened to be, you know, a remake of a prior movie. I don't think the Young Frankenstein musical really hit that level. So, yeah, sure, I'd agree. I don't know any of the music though. I'm a big fan of musical theater, and I never watched, I never listened to the music. I've heard it, but I never really listened to the music from Young Frankenstein. Mm, yeah. Music from the producers, I'm more familiar with. Yeah, and I wanted to see it. I just never did. And I, I think we got to the point where there's so much media. And there's so many movies and so many options all the time that it's hard to get to see everything you want to. That's true. 
It really looks like you're giving Brian a hand job now. Am I got my foot up here again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you again, uh, Jared. We'll use those clips on the YouTube thing. It's like yeah, we'll yeah. just have YouTube we'll put it back to back. So say what? I said, cup the balls. Ah, no, he's telling him. He's telling I'm, you. I'm telling just, him. I'm gonna prop my other foot up because I'm actually the tripod is right here. There we go. So now the other hand is right here, and it looks like there's another man on this side of me. Now this doesn't look like any hand job is happening. Oh no. Oh. Maybe lift work the shoulder a little like that. Yeah. <laughs> that looked like a dance. Just like nah. <laughs> you can do a TikTok like that. You can do a dance with TikTok. The jerk off you... shoulder. Yeah, the jerk. It's just just that. It's just that for three minutes. And then you rotate. Just... Yeah. No, nah, that's really off putting now that looks awful. Awful. Awful looking me doing that. <laughs> It shouldn't be. Were you should watching know Brian do that? That was even worse. Say again? Were you watching Brian do that? That was worse. He was doing this Brian, weird... Oh, God. <laughs> Brian is not a mover. He does not... He's not a dancer. He's not yeah, a dancer. I stay, like, I stay still. I'm that dude that whenever he's dancing with people, he just stands there and, and that's the dance. Oh. But you are a martial artist. I am. Yes. Which was weird because you would think that they would relate in some way shape or form which i guess maybe they do but i don't know i don't know obviously not obviously not no relation i got rhythm just not that kind of rhythm not the kind that's useful you said before that you you were going to have to stop taping at 40 minutes you changed the plan i thought so too but it hasn't stopped it just keeps dragging on because it only it only stops if you record oh then you get forty minutes. Well, I'm 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 screen recording. I can see it on the screen. Like yeah, but you're not screen recording on Zoom. You're screen yeah. recording on your computer. Oh, okay. Zoom doesn't know what you're doing. But yeah, Zoom doesn't know what you're doing. So they you, you don't have like you have it forever. You're fringing. You're infringing on their services, actually. Oh shit. Uh, we got to do. Are done. Air me out on, on the episode like this, guys. You thought your algorithm was bad. Now. Oh no. Oh wow. You mean I'm gonna drop from 18 listeners to like three? Yep, it's going down. Oh God, I mean, okay. I'm posting this to Zoom. So, oh, uh, uh, Dan, uh, before we wrap this up, you got any other celebrity stories you want to tell? Uh, or Hollywood adjacent? The what? What you want? Or Hollywood adjacent stories? Famous Holly people stories? Hollywood adjacent stories? Famous people stories? Oh man, I wish I had something ready for you. Um, Any movies you hate, you want to make fun of? Any movies you hate, you want to make fun of? Movies that I hate. Oh man, nothing. I uh, see. The thing is, is that I like movies that I hate, like really yeah, bad do. movies. Yeah, usually the same way. I like to go see terrible things, like terrible acting. Although, oh, I there is a movie on Long Island right now. It's out of Long Island. And it's an Italian, essentially an Italian minstrel show, and it's called it's called The Streets, but I like I can't really explain it. You have to watch it. It's called The Streets, and just it's just so over the top, and I don't. I, 
and I don't want to say much more, but I want to like send you guys links to it. I'll I'll watch it. I'll, I'll probably yeah. watch it myself now. It's um, just... well, you, you got that you got, bad, any, huh? you got any Conan O'Brien stories from whenever you were working for him? Um, I I have a story about. He, I'm in the elevator. Much of this internship was going from one floor to the next. Yeah. So I'm in the elevator. Uh, Conan enters. There's probably about 10 other people in the elevator. It's packed. The show's about to start taping. Um, rehearsal's over and everybody's headed towards the taping. And there's like a conversation going on between Conan and one of the producers. And the other producer's name is Dan. Mm -hmm. So he's like talks to him and then they stop talking and then conan says dan and he goes hey dan which is my name i go by db and i go by dan yeah back then i just went by dan and the other producer dan ferguson says i think i think conan's talking to you and i was like i don't think he's talking to me and i just kept on like i really didn't think he was talking to me so I just kept on paying attention to like the elevator ride was forever. And then Conan stares at me. I could feel him staring at me. And he says, you know what? I hate you. I don't know why I hate you, but I hate you. And I said, you sound like my father. And I one-upped him. I one-upped him and it, I think it kind of pissed him off in the moment. So everybody laughed in the elevator and everybody left. And I mean, that's, that's, my, that's really my Conan story. My other Conan stuff is, you know, I, there's, I mean, it's not interesting. Like, not I wish it was interesting. I wish it was like something. I, I got a lot of stories like that, too, that's just not interesting at all. <laughs> like, I remember John Lovitz came to the studio. He was on the show once, and he comes upstairs, and I'm standing in the writer's room. And the writer's room is like a big living room type situation, big table in the middle. It's where everyone would eat. They'd pitch their ideas. And I'm standing in there alone and John Lovitz comes in and he's like, oh, wow, this is, this is, this is a nice room. And I'm like, oh, this is my office. Like just trying to joke with John, Levitt, John Lovitz. And he rolls his eyes and walks out of the room. <laughs> and that was like, all right. I just was like, I was so excited. Does he know how much I love him? Like I love the guy. He has no idea. Um, I really looked at. I love the critic. Great. Yeah. So, oh. No, I wish I had more Conan stuff. I do have a. I did sneak into a 25th anniversary party for Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah, you've told me that. Yeah. This one. This is great. Um, this was the 25th anniversary party. One of the biggest celebrations in comedy ever. And I was an intern at NBC at the time. So me and Lonnie Ross, who was actually on the show 30 Rock. He ended up being one of the stars of the show many years later. Um, we're, we decide after interning that day that we were going to go up to the show as the celebrities were showing up. So we're up there at SNL Studios watching celebrities show up. And a security guard notices us. And he's like, what are you guys doing here? He's like, we're interns up at Conan. We know Andy Richter. And he's, and he's like, well, you guys should really go. And he didn't have a problem. It wasn't a big deal. We went back up to the studio, the Conan studio, and watched the show. And then at the end of the show, I say to Lonnie, we should try to sneak in again now. If we're going to right now is going to be the time because it's going to be the busiest time. 
So we decide to go in and we're just dressed in t-shirts and jeans. We don't have anything nice on, no tuxedos. Most of the people are dressed really nice. But as we're showing up to the elevator, the Blues Brothers band is showing up. So Lonnie and I get into the elevator with the Blues Brothers band and sneak into the SNL party with the Blues Brothers band. They go on stage. Um, there's some people already playing music. Um, John Goodman is singing with Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. Chevy Chase is on, on the stage on the front looking at everybody. I could see Bill, uh, Billy Crystal. I'm standing next to Michael McKeon. And I'm just like, this is kind of amazing. I look like I'm a roadie. So I'm standing yeah. by the stage for a while, like an hour. And then I get kind of like, I got to move. So I move, I see a waiter with champagne. I take a glass of champagne. Alec Baldwin notices me. I drink the champagne within a minute, that same security guard that came earlier comes to me again. And is like, I told you you're supposed to leave. He brings me over to an elevator. In that elevator is another security guard, but it's different security. It's like NBC security, like mm -hmm. loser security type thing. Like it's not big time security. So I go into this elevator with him. He says, you better not come back up. I go all the way down in the elevator. I say to the guy in the elevator, I'm gonna go all the way back up. And he lets me go all the way back up. So I go back into the party a third <laughs> time. <laughs> And I'm standing around for probably about five, maybe 10 minutes. And I'm walking around a little bit. This time the security guard, same one, pushes me into a dark corner and is like, if you sneak in one more time, I'm gonna kick the shit out of you. He pulls me over to an elevator and there's other people from the party leaving. And standing there is Martin Short, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. And I, he tells me not to say anything. He's like, you better keep your mouth shut. I just couldn't. So I say to them, I'm like, look, guys, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt this, but I'm being thrown out of the party. Is there anything you can do? And Martin Short says, don't worry. Everybody gets thrown out of SNL eventually. Everybody laughed. I went on the elevator and then went downstairs, waited for Lonnie and got home so late that night. But that was uh, the best party I ever went to. And I got, I wasn't in, uh, the best party I ever went to. I wasn't invited. I got thrown out three times. Like the only and the only other person that I have that could prove that story is true is Lonnie. Yeah. And he wasn't he what he had his own story because we separated. Yeah. So he had his own thing. But that was uh I think I have the, the slightest chance that I can get into the 50th anniversary party for SNL. Oh wow. That's pretty awesome. I'm working on a book with an SNL writer, a former SNL writer from 1980. His name is Ferris Butler. He's like 75 now. And he is the basis for the character Ferris Bueller. <laughs> so uh, John Hughes like stole the character very long ago and Ferris tried to sue for it and nothing, like he wasn't able to get anything out of it. But he did write these stories that are very Ferris Bueller-like that he's putting this book together. So I see that book coming out in like two or three years, maybe if it comes out at all, but that's around the same time that the 50th anniversary is happening. So I feel like he's a writer. He's sort of an invalid, not completely, but he can't get around on his own. He's an old guy. So 
I imagine him getting invited and I sort of am his assistant at this party. That's my fantasy. Yeah. That's my fantasy for the next three years. That's how I'm going to get into that party. And like, I'll get there and I won't even do, I'll just stand by the bar the whole time and be like, oh, I can have all this scotch for free. And I won't even hobnob or anything. Do waste. But yeah, thanks for having me today. It yeah. was great. Thanks for letting me talk. It made me feel better. Yeah, and uh, uh, I guess we're uh, going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, and thank you so much for being on the show, DB. Uh, you can stick around a little after if you want to. Yeah, um, you guys rock. It was really good talking to you. Jared, great and, meeting you. Brian, good right. talking to you, of course. And, um, guys, uh, stay tuned. Our uh, next episode is going to be about uh, Hellraiser, the Hellraiser movies. And we're going to have special guest Mark D. Valenti talking about Hellraiser. Fucking movie podcast.